from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 8. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is being reported all over the world. Isn't that amazing when your faith can be reported all over the world? That your faith has put a stamp and has put a, a, a place, a marker in the particular world that now the apostle recognizes you and Jesus Christ recognizes you and what God will do. He said in verse 9, God whom I serve in my spirit in preaching the gospel of his son is my witness how constantly I remember you in my prayers at all times. And I pray that now at last by God's will the way may be open for me to come to you. Now I love this because the apostle Paul has compassion for the people. The Apostle Paul has time that he set aside where he's praying for those people whom he may be responsible for. So as an apostle, as a leader, you need to be, you need to understand something that you should have leadership that's actually praying for the congregation. Praying for their membership. Praying for those who are part of the ministry. There's a responsibility for me. This not for you, this not, it doesn't make sense for you to come to church and you to sit under leadership and they're not going to be accountable for your soul by praying for you interceding for you. The Apostle Paul has an assignment, but he yet has time and he yet has it in his heart that I'm praying for you. He's calling out to them. He's calling out them to God so that he can recognize, they can, God can recognize them and, and because of the burden that he's placed on, that's been placed on the Apostle Paul. In verse 10 he says, my prayers at all times and I pray that now at last by God's will, the way may be open for me to come to you. Verse 11. I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. I need you to understand the assignment of your leadership and what the Apostle Paul is sharing. There's a responsibility that the anointing is on my life. There should be some parts of me to be imparted into you. Amen. As you sit under this ministry, you are open for the spirit of impartation to manifest. Yeah. Now it's important that I, in my position, keep myself clean, that I impart the right spirits into your spirit. Amen. And that God will begin to move and that we'll have the ability to impart those things that will enhance and help you grow in your particular walk with Christ. Amen. This is the goal. We're supposed to be growing in Christ. The spirit of impartation is to influence you to draw you closer to him. And what happens is, if there is a hindrance to the spirit of impartation, it can either be on the part of the leadership or on the part of the particular recipient. Because the recipient can shut down and not be open to the spirit of impartation based on what the enemy has clouded their particular mind with various thoughts, ideas, and suggestions that have come to take their purpose or to take their particular vision of who their leadership is. So this is why you have to constantly stay in prayer for your leadership, that you have the right vision, that you have the right understanding to be able to see your leader in the way God sees them. Because the enemy will distract you and allow yourself to be moved 
by flesh and allow you to get caught up and not be open to receive the impartation that's needed for you to grow. This is why you see certain members that will not grow and some others that will grow. Because people have tainted them, the enemy has come in and tainted their perception of their leadership and now they say, well this church ain't for me, it don't really fit me, I'm not really growing here and all those various things. And there are some churches where that can happen, but I'm saying in a lot of instances, we don't want to take accountability and responsibility for our own selves and being responsible for engaging ourselves in the being in the midst of the church. You have to have fellowship. You have to be open to the word of God. You have to be around your brothers and sisters of Christ. You have to be wanting to be in those particular services when the doors of the church are open if you're going to see your life change. Change lives, spend time with God. If you see your life is unchanged, I can, and you begin to ask them how much time have you spent with God. Amen. Your change in your life as it, resent, as it relates to you becoming more like Christ is a direct reflection on how much time you spent with him. You show me somebody's walk with Christ that is not lining up properly, you can look at them and you can find out where they spend their time in. Where are you investing the most of your ability, your talents? Your, what are you gaining information from? You and, and this is because you've got to be accountable. We have to be accountable for ourselves. Amen. Amen. As leadership, we have responsibility. Yeah, we're going to pray for you. But as we pray for you, this Lord keeps going, and He as He begins to keep teaching. Well, we at verse twelve, right? Let's read verse eleven again. I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. What is the what is the impartation of the gift supposed to do? To make you strong. That's what I was just explaining to you. It's supposed to help make us strong. And so he goes on. He said, "That is that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith." There's no need for me. Oh my God! If I'm teaching all this word and we're releasing all this word, the power of God comes in through prayer and all those various things. And these spiritual things are imparted to you. It should come a time where if I feel drained, I should be able to call on just a regular lay member that's sitting in the, in the pew, and they should be able to help encourage me and help me in my faith walk. If I feel dejected or if I feel in a place where I'm feeling down, because why? We've been growing in this thing together. Just because I'm the apostle and I'm the leader does not mean that I don't have weak moments Amen. or vulnerabilities because we're still human. You're going to see that if you if you follow Paul and you look at his life, he's hey, you've seen him ask for prayer. Amen. Amen. You've seen him go to the Father concerning some things that he was he he did not have the full understanding about. That does not make your leadership weak. It actually makes your leadership strong to understand the fact that we're we can't you can't make it and do it all by yourself. We need each other. And that's why it's so important that we fellowship and that we encourage one another. We help build each other up. So he goes on to verse 13. He said, I do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that I planned many times to come to you but have been prevented from doing so until now in order that I might have a harvest among you just as I have had among other Gentiles. I am obligated both to Greeks and non-Greeks both to the wise and the foolish. I cannot have a pick and choose ministry. And a lot of ministries will begin to pick and choose who's going to come into their fellowship. 
Because if somebody comes in that may not fit the script, that may not fit the bill, that may not, you know, uh, fit the type of uh, 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 look or image that that ministry may want to portray, you'll find a way, and the enemy will find a way that you've made ways so you can run them off. Because you're only out for a certain image. But the Apostle Paul said, because I'm so concerned about souls, he said, I'm obligated both to Greeks and non-Greeks. Both to the wise and the foolish. Now you need to hear that. Both to the wise and the foolish. It's some people that come to the church who are going to be foolish. Amen. But this is why it's important that you are open to impartation to the gift of the spirit so that you can become stronger and move from foolishness to being wise. Wow. Amen. A lot of us came to Christ in foolishness. Hmm. Don't look at me deep today like you know you had it all together and you came and they said open up the doors of the church and you came and said you want to give your life to Christ. Don't act like you went somewhere turning flips in somebody's bed that night before. Oh, I'm just going straight down your alley. And you know, you know where you, wherever you may be, you know, it's all well. You know, we, we, we was messed up. And, and so we were, we were foolish. And until we grabbed a hold to the things of God, and begin to get into fellowship and to begin to get around the saints and begin to get into the word of God for yeah. ourselves. That's when we saw our lives begin to develop. Yeah. We begin to become stronger and God begin to pour into us and we begin to see some things slowly but surely fall off of us. But it was our responsibility to engage that. The Bible talks about, he talks about how long shall we desire the sincere milk of the word? that we should grow and mature to the place of desiring the meat of the word. Mm. See, we have to get out of the mentality of we're so looking for the pastor to spoon feed you everything. Mm. <laughs> we can't spoon feed you 20 years. Amen. At some point, you should grow some teeth. Because growing teeth means that you are now able to handle more substantive things. And because teeth represents, if you, this, we got a newborn baby, get Casey on a newborn. Now he's at a stage, he does not have teeth because he's not at a stage where he can handle meat. He's only at a stage where he can handle milk. But it's in him to develop teeth. <laughs> It's essential that teeth are going to come out. Nothing can stop his teeth from coming in. And the more teeth he gets, his desire becomes more for things that have substance. Oh, my God. Teach, teach, teach. So if you're in a place that is not helping you to begin to develop your particular teeth, and because you're not growing, you're not maturing, you're not moving to the level where you're desiring things of more substance, you'll continue to live your life. You can be 60 years old and still gumming. Coming on the word of God. Because you only want a simple, smooth, soft, easy message that's going to soothe your gums. You, you still at a teething state. Jesus. In other words, you're only able to handle what I give you that's going to satisfy you at that level. You're on a teething ring. Amen. When are you going to come out of that stage? 
That's why we have to have growth. And growth comes through fellowship, being in the word of God, being in under hearing the word of God. It's going to continue to help you grow and to enhance. When I first came and got saved and I was in the, in, in the little storefront church, my pastor had the word. She was teaching. And when I started growing and she saw me growing, she kept telling me, get in your word. Read your word. Are you reading the word? I need the word. Just read your word. Just read your word. Every time I be in church, she tell me, read your word. Now, I'm not no minister. I'm not no leader. I'm not no nothing. But she, whatever she saw, Amen. that's why it's important that you have leadership that will pull out of you, pull your teeth out, I mean, right. pull them to where they can grow and you can get out of teething stage. Jesus. If I had not yielded to her instructions of getting in my word, I would have stagnated myself. It wouldn't have been her fault, it would have been my fault because I didn't yield to instruction. <laughs> See, this is what I'm, I'm, I'm trying to help you get free to, get, to understand what is the thing that's hindering you from moving to the place where God will begin to use you to the fullest of his ability is that I have to yield to instruction. Had I been rebellious to say, oh, I ain't got to hear that because I come to church on Sunday, I can hear the word then. I don't got to read the word for myself. No, we all have a responsibility to read the word, to get to know the word of God for our own self. You just can't believe everything coming out of people's mouth is just yeah. standing with a mic and a suit on. Yeah. We have to ask God, hear the word. God, give me understanding of the word. Give me revelation of the word so that I can be able to apply it to my life, my life and I can understand it for myself. Amen? Amen. Anybody got any comments so far? I know I'm moving. It's good. soothing it for temporary 
And see, some of us look outside of God for temporary fixes when your, your answer is in the book. Your answer is in the word. Your answer is in the body of Christ. Your answer is through the things of God. Looking and seeking after those things of God. That's what's going to help you through the process so that it cannot be, so that it won't be that agonized or painful or now prolong your maturity process. Where I told you to be 50, 60 years old and still coming. <clears throat> There should have been some growth. Even if you went to Mount Bobo's and Mount Bobo's only preached one particular passage every Sunday. You, you grew in that one passage. Amen. Mount Bobo had one passage, one scripture. If anything you got out, you got one scripture out of that. You gained something. You came in there, you didn't have nothing. But you came in, you got something. But you have to be able to grab hold and begin to take what God has given you and what you're needed in order to move your life forward. It takes the word of God and it takes effort. It takes energy. It takes you wanting to have that desire to yeah. move to the next level. So where are we at? Uh, verse 15. 15. Verse 15. 15. He said, that is why I am so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. The gospel, listen what he says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. First to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the, righteous of, the righteousness of God is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith from the first to the last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Let's keep going. Let's go deep through this. We're going to close it out. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. You need to highlight that right there for you. Listen to what he says. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of the people wow. who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Wow. So this is how you end up in a gumming stage because you have remained in a wicked state of mind, constantly coming to church. Wickedness prevents you from opening up to hear the truth. We ain't gonna deal with that. This, this thing is heavy. This is the possible all he teaches. He, he, he can understand something. Because you try to find out why I'm not growing. Well, why am I not going to the next level? And we try to always blame everybody around us. It's the pastor. It's the praise team. It's the ushers. It's the greeters. I don't like the way they stand up there in the back. You know, it's that. I don't like the way they prophesy. You know, I don't like the way they be standing in the corners praying. Oh, you know, and you, you all this stuff, and we have not examined our own hearts. That's good. That is because the scripture says that wickedness will keep you from understanding and receiving truth. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And I believe God, no, uh, no uh, pumping up with me, but I believe that the word of God is preached in this place and truth goes forth. For the past nine years I've been here and for the 15 years I've been pastoring, I ain't been preaching up the truth since God's house. I ain't been preaching up the truth since my living room. Amen. <laughs> Since my living room is the truth, that's all I can preach is the word of God because the word of God is true. This ain't me telling you that this is the word of God that's speaking. Amen. Amen. So he says, who suppress the truth by their wickedness, since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. 
Since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen. Being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. Wow. I, I didn't say that. Don't, don't throw no dart in my way. This is what the Bible said. He said they are without excuse. For verse 21, for although they knew God, uh-oh, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. He said they knew God, but they neither glorified him as God. What? Yes. Nor gave thanks to him. You mean to tell me you can know God and not give him thanks? Amen. Yes, indeed. You can know God and not glorify him. Why is that? Because the enemy comes in and glorifies you and glorifies flesh. That's what happened with Lucifer when he was cast out of heaven. Yes. He began to glorify himself. Yes. I want to be. That pride will destroy you. And we have to be and we have to understand that that's the enemy's tactic. He said, for although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish, foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools. What? People claim to be wise and they became fools. <laughs> So you started off in this thing right, but because of your particular mindset and your thoughts and your heart had become wicked, because wickedness is keeping you from understanding truth. It's keeping you from receiving truth. He said that your, now you become, your heart has become darkened. You've become foolish when you thought you were wise. Because that's the enemy's tactic. He's trying to pull you back on his side because he hates that you chose Christ. See, the moment you chose Christ, that's when the fight started. I tell people all the time, when they come to church, they say, well, when I was in the world, I didn't have any problems. And, you know, everybody was cute, and everybody was nice. And, you know, I can get along with people, and, you know, and all those other things. And, you know, and then you come to the car, I got saved. I started coming to church, and like, man, why all this stuff happening? You know, why is this happening? Why is this going on? Because you now have created an enemy. Amen. How can somebody fight against somebody when you're on the same team? Amen. Before you came to Christ, you was on his team. I don't give a care how good you was. Amen. Before you accepted Jesus Christ in your life, you was on the same team, and y'all was walking neck and neck, hand in hand, on the same road. I know you asked, you know, if you was clicking your heels. You had your older Wizard of Oz experience. But reality sets in, and look what happened. This one he says, um, we verse 22, right? Yeah. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools. Verse 23. And exchange, listen to this, the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being and birds and animals and reptiles. Mm. Because when pride comes in, and I don't want to submit fully to God, now I open up myself to build idols. Not only that look like human beings, but he said of birds and reptiles. 
This is where you see when those other religions have been formed and they worship different things, images. This is what it's birthed out of. These particular passages of scripture, because now you were wise at one point, but the enemy has become, you've made your heart foolish, your heart's been darkened. He said, although they claim to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God. They exchanged the glory of the immortal God. Why? Because they were, because if we're not glorifying him, if we're not giving him thanks, this opens the door for the enemy to come in and to create images that fit our particular, what we think we need. So in verse 24, listen at this. That's going to hit you. I didn't write this. Apostle Paul wrote it. I'm just the messenger. Ready for verse 24? It's going to get high. Therefore, God gave them over in a in, God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the Creator, who is forever praised. Amen. Paul seals that with an amen. <laughs> He said, since you have become fools, you have not given God thanks, you've not glorified him, you have allowed the enemy to come in and make you to a fool, you've made these images of birds, of animals, of reptiles. He said in verse 24, he said, since you want to continue to walk that way, since you want to continue to go down that pathway, he said, therefore God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. He said, this is for the degrading of your body. Now notice this, it says, therefore. You can't blame God for this. Your actions pushed you away from God. Our actions pull us away from God. He said they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who was forever praised. Amen. How many are we not seeing that? We're worshiping the creature instead of the creator. We're worshiping people, idols, things. Pastor, you should go say something right there. You know what? I was just reading this in the message. Oh, it hit you real hard. Yeah, and it's so good because in in one uh, verse it says, what happened was this. People knew God perfectly well, but when they didn't treat him like God, refusing to worship him, they trivialized themselves into silliness and confusion so that there was neither sense nor direction left in their lives. Now that's something else. What happened was this. People knew God well. You were serving him well. But then you, people knew God perfectly well, but then they didn't treat him like God. So can you imagine when you or someone who's serving God and you work and you worship him, then you allow stuff to come in your life and you stop worshiping him and you stop treating him like God. And I think about how uh, people lose fear of God then. Where it's easy for you to get into sin because you don't have any fear that God will deal with you concerning that thing. So you just go around in your sin and you stay in that because you stop treating God like he was God. That God is not the one who who sees you and, and, and is going to deal with you in your sinful nature. Jesus. So that's something right there. It is. 
how we can be perfectly well with serving him, and then just like that, we stop treating him like he God. We trivialize who he is. And that's why it's so important yes. that we have to maintain our relationship with him. And, and we have to, and so many people have, who think because they have been hurt in church, and they say, well, God is in my heart, and I don't need to go to church to serve God. I think everybody here got somebody they know that got their whole statement down pat. I can, you know, watch church on TV, it's the same effect. I don't need to go to no church that God is in my heart. He ain't in no building. No, he's not in the building. But in the building is a congregation of people who are filled with God. And the more people who are in a place who are filled with God, the more energy, the more power, the more anointing I can tap into because God is glorified in those who come together in unity. If he said one, if two or three can be gathered in my name, they are not in the midst. What happens when hundreds of thousands are in the midst and they're gathered together on one accord? That's when you see the power of God move and so much might and so much anointing and so much glory. So this is why I come into the building because it's for the fellowship and for the connection of the other people, not for the building. The building has no power in it. It's us who are in the building who bring the power. Because we're living and we're walking in the things of God and he's on the inside of us. Come on, Pastor Lee. Yes, I was just, uh, just go back up to the top that got me was, it says right here in um, pretty much in 18, he said, who suppressed the truth by their wickedness. As soon as you let the enemy come in, and then as you see the persistent of just pulling away, and Paul is talking about the Romans, the next thing you know, they start making idols. Then next thing you know, the, the more of their bodies, everything that started coming in, and then that's the same way when we follow in Christ, is that as soon as we let that one little sip in, next thing you know, you find yourself one week not coming to church, two weeks, now it's a month, now it's two months, and it keep on persisting. And then the enemy will come in just like they start doing, making them idols. They mind start changing. Now you say, man, I'm so far, but you're really not far from God. Exactly. All you have to do is turn around. That's it. Turn around and come on back into the fellowship. But the enemy blinds you. Yes. And the, the reason why the enemy can blind you is because now this is a part that we have done as a church. I'm talking about the church as a whole, the body of Christ. We don't know how to receive someone who has fallen to restore them back because we're going to come in and judge them and look at them all crazy. You better say that. Look at them all sideways. Yes. My God. That's it. And if we understand the place of having the grace and the compassion yes. of God to be able to help. Now, you got to understand something. you, you got to have discernment to know because just like the Apostle Paul said, he said, now God has turned them over. Mm -hmm. They done had opportunity. And you got to know when this opportunity has passed because people, God will, you know, you, you just can't keep doing God like any old kind of way. <laughs> you better say that, Apostle. Come on. And I think that, you know, sometimes people abuse that fact. That's why we, get, we can't get into a place. You can't abuse, abuse the grace of God. Yes. Yeah, we, as a body of Christ, there's the times when, like I said, we'll judge, we'll look at people all crazy and this and that and all this other stuff. When you have to realize and understand that we can help to bring them back and help build them up, help bring them back into the fold. It ain't nothing too bad you done done. It ain't nothing too wicked you done done. We done all done, done something. Amen. That's what God's grace is for. Yes. But just as the scripture says, that key is that, that's why I said at that verse 18, when he said, when that wickedness suppresses the truth. My God. My 
because your, your mind is clouded. And you're not thinking. So you're not thinking according to what you should be thinking as it relates to God. That wickedness is suppressing the truth. So in other words, this is what happens. This is how the enemy entices you and he keeps you in that particular position. He said, oh, you only, this only for the day. I won't do it tomorrow. That wickedness is suppressing truth. Yeah. When you know to do right, yeah. but that wickedness talks you into it even more. And you're suppressing truth because truth is there. You know that this is wrong, but that particular wickedness is overriding that truth and it's suppressing it. And it begins to get stronger and stronger and wickedness gets stronger and he wins out. And so now look at the look at the next verse. I didn't write it under in that place. We in verse 26. We'll read that message right there. Now you're going to That's not no problem. Relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. 
Men committed shameful acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their error. Furthermore, verse 28, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to a depraved mind. That's what he says right there in verse 28 in the King James Version. So that they do what ought not to be done. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. De depravity. What? All this started when I started in that one act of wickedness and suppressing truth. <laughs> yeah. And now you're down here in verse 29. He said they have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are all full of what? Envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. Wow. But, but isn't that not what's going on in the world today? People are inventing ways to do evil. They disobey their parents. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. Although they know God's righteous decree, you mean to tell me somebody that was following God is doing all this now? Wow. This is what you need to get. Yes, come on. Come on. This is somebody that was following God. Yes. And now they've turned their back on him. Yes. And they in all this type of mess. Yes. You fooled the very elite. <laughs> He who the very elect didn't he doing it. He said, although they know God's rights to decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. So you get a whole clique of sinners you just go hang out with. You just get a whole clique of evil folk, just wicked folk. Now hang around you no more. They want to hang around all the evil, wicked folk. And you know, they get mad at you. Like, you don't like me no more. Why you don't call me no more? You evil. You wicked. But they get people that's, look, notice that. Let me read this again because this is how the enemy plays on you. Look at the, look at how cunning he is and how deceitful he is. Yes. Look at the scripture in verse 32 again. He said, although they know God's righteous decree, that those who do such things deserve death. So they know the penalty for this. They've been knowing God previous. But look at this. He said, they not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. Isn't it amazing how the enemy can come into agreement with each other on their wickedness, but we as the body of Christ, as believers, we have a hard time coming to agreement with let's go ahead on and do what's right. Let's go ahead on and move forward. Let's go ahead on and do what's the, what God has called us to do. We got to have a whole disagreement, a whole fallout, drag down, drag down, push and fight. When the enemy, and when he's on his own, when you're on that enemy's territory, you can quickly come into agreement. And find somebody with your same mindset. Why is it so easy to get somebody to go get high with you, smoke some weed, and but you can't get nobody to come pray with you? <laughs> you can get about ten invitations. Hey, what you doing tonight? I'm going to smoke. <laughs> you call the next person, call you up, so what you doing? I'm going to smoke. <laughs> if, what, I mean, you call through ten people, ain't nobody calls it. What you want? I'm going to pray. No prayer. Who? I'll talk to you later. <laughs> because the enemy is drawn. When you're in wickedness, you draw, and that thing, it seems 
That's why it's so hard. That's why you gotta understand. It's so imperative that you stay connected. Jesus. Because the enemy will find you and get you to a place. It's, you'll find a whole lot of people that's doing wicked and doing what you like to do when you get away from the things of God. The enemy start playing in your head. The church is boring. They don't ever do nothing. They ain't got nothing going on. They ain't nobody, you can't have no fun in church. They don't like they so stiff. They so bored and this and that. And you'll find yourself drawn to that crowd. I'm going to smoke tonight. Okay, I'll be there. <laughs> and one night, before you away. Come on, God has One night. Amen. Jesus.